This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris is our economy headed for a major crash? It's a big question a lot of people are asking, a lot of people speculating about. I want to talk about it a little bit today. There's some new information I want to give you in today's intelligence brief update on the economy. You know, if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, that my belief is that we're definitely in a period of downturn, even if the numbers haven't started to completely reflect that yet. I'm not alone in that thinking. I think that the thinking is uh, more or less unanimous. There's just not a lot of optimism out there. All people are seeing is problems. Question is, is it going to be a crash or a slow collapse? Seems to be the answer, uh, the, 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 um, the question before us. Nobody's talking about any real opportunities, which I think is a bit of a mistake, by the way. I think there's going to be huge opportunities, regardless of what happens. But it might shift quite a bit, no doubt. We'll see. But neither way, nobody's talking about that. Investment money, I think, is going to dry up and and lots of other things either way. I happen to be of the belief that more than likely we're just going to see a period of slow decline. And what do I mean by that specifically? Exactly what you're seeing now. Rising wages, rising stock market, and inflation that's wiping it all out. Interest rates and inflation taking it all back and more to where your net living is less. I see it happening with us. I see it happening with us, our own personal expenses. Somebody was just asking me, and you've heard me give you updates. You know, In the beginning, I saw all this inflation coming. You've heard me talk about it, stocking up. I pre-bought all my shoes and work clothes three years ago, everything that I could. Today, those costs have doubled. Unfortunately, there's only so much stocking up you can do, and I'm, I'm running uh, to the end of that. And it is. It's having a net impact in terms of uh, decisions that we're making, in terms of uh, what we're going to, to do, particularly next year. For example, probably vacations we're not going to take. Instead, we have an air conditioner that needs to be replaced. New compressor. There's the vacation right there. I look at the prices of traveling. It just doesn't meet my, my value equation. But I want to talk about this, but one thing I want to mention to you, and like I said, I have some new information. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody does. We're in uncharted territory here in many ways. More debt and more data than ever before in human history. And that's going to affect things in a big way. Lots of private money out there. That's a whole problem, whole issue in and of itself that I think is being largely discounted. I see a government that has controlled through dollars for a long time, and that control is slipping away. In fact, ironically enough, the replacement is already there. What is that replacement? Bitcoin or any other digital currency. People just switch over. Yeah, we'll just do a dollar for dollar trade. Goodbye dollar. Hello, Digicoin, or whatever the case might be. The power of government has been had been severely eroded through technology. That's a whole crazy conversation in itself. Anyway, I want to come back to that a little bit. I want to just 
Uh, well, well, let me finish one more thought. If there is a, a major collapse, even if it's a short duration, and by short duration I mean 90, 120 days, let's say that the United States government could not pay its bills for three or four months, meaning military doesn't get paid for three or four months. Lights start getting turned off to government buildings and things like that, and all kinds of draconian things. Uh, perhaps, you know, government, uh, United States government default on foreign obligations. And you watch, if this kind of situation were to occur, um, you know, how quickly those priorities should, wow, well, we have to pay uh, North Korea, they're going to nuke us, or if we don't pay these bills to China, they're going to they're gonna do what? Well, they're going to take Hawaii, or uh, Russia, say, we're going to take Alaska, since you're military is immobile right now. Uh, this is crazy uh, type of thing that we're talking about. But it, as crazy as it sounds, I want you to consider, and I've got an update on the debt, how much of our money operating our government is borrowed. It's unsustainable. It could end as early as next week. I'm not a hypester, and I don't want to be a hypester. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'll give you the full update. Let me just give me a few minutes uh, to discuss a couple other things before we get into the dire economic circumstances and the data behind all that. Uh, I wanted to tell you I was outside working in the yard this week. We had a, a beautiful weekend here. There were some storms rolled through, 50-mile-an-hour winds, all of a sudden alerts and um all this overreacting to a little wind. I made the audacious comment to a, a, a neighbor last week. I said uh, they were talking about a tornado again. And I said, I don't know, it just seemed like a regular Pennsylvania summer storm, if you ask me. Oh, oh you're one of those, huh? <laughs> one of those what? <laughs> one of those that actually watches the weather and, and doesn't believe what the uh, state-sponsored propagandists tell me. I want to give you an update on this climate thing. We'll do that on Wednesday. Anyway, I spend my time outside exposing myself to harmful sun rays. I'm being sarcastic. I hope you know that. Go read Dr. Mercola. Don't take my word for it. He says that everybody should be outside shirtless for one hour a day every day. These people are nuts. He's as nutty as that RFK Jr. talking about natural remedies. Have you heard of the drug about these drug shortages? By the way, speaking of which, all the, you know, Adderall and all these different drugs that they're having. I remember this with the formula, and then suddenly, suddenly somebody said, you know, you can make your own formula, and literally overnight, the uh, lamestream media, the state-sponsored propaganda, you don't want to be making your own formula. Do you know how dangerous that is? Oh yeah, yeah. Like making your own bread. What? You radicals. <laughs> you Who told you you could make your own cake? Who told you? This is what the country's become. Anyway, uh, I spent my time outside. We had a big tree taken down out front. I believe I might have mentioned this. A big, beautiful oak. Whoever planted it, God bless them, planted it nine feet from the house. And at about... I don't know, 36, 42 inches at the base. Uh, it just became too much to bear. 
and the risk of something happening. People, you know, everybody who doesn't live here, they're like, nah, nothing's going to happen. I'm like, yeah, it's so easy to sleep comfortably when you're not sleeping under this behemoth. So not that that was my concern. Really, the main issue for me was the clogging of the gutters, the whole, the, all the gutters in the entire house from this one tree. And uh, amongst other damage that it was doing. So anyway, we took it down, and I had all the branches cut, and I saved them, and we took them out back. And I'm going to use those in our outdoor burn pit because I like burning big logs. I just find it to be a whole lot more enjoyable than this little $5 stacks you see at the supermarket. Is anybody buying those? Tell me the truth. I want to hear from you. Info at ChristopherScottShow.com. I want to hear from the person that's buying that little those little handles of cellophane wrap. What are you doing with that? <laughs> that's that's a joke. That's not my idea of a fire. I'm like, I was like one of the things I had to carry these these so I cut down the tree and three branches came down in three other locations around the property. And two different people said the same thing. You know what? You, you pissed off the trees. You took down the big daddy. And uh, I'll go have a talk with the trees, but I think the yard is happy with me. I found a snake. I cut, So I had these logs out. Now they're seasoning. I, didn't, I started to cover them. I'm like, I'm not going to cover them. I'm just leaving them out here. It's just fire pit wood. Anyway, I wanted to cover. I got about a good three cords out there right now. Lots of big stuff. Of course, I have some smaller stuff. You need that. Well, I covered the this, this smaller stuff. And um, then I went out last night. I had some things to burn. And uh, I pulled back the tarp to get, and there's a snake there. I don't think it's a garter. My daughter said it is. And he or she wasn't moving. Climber, I put that tarp down like 2 o'clock in the afternoon by 6, 7 o'clock at night. There was that snake underneath there. Yep. I pulled back the tarp. It looked at me like, what do you think you're doing? I'm like, what do you think you're doing? Anyway, my daughter was excited. Listen to this. So I got to finish this thing. I got this cold frame greenhouse that I'm building. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically a hole in the ground. They put a box in the ground and a hinge that lid with a window frame. And it acts like a little greenhouse, and since it's underground, it's a lot less susceptible to freezing. It will freeze in the you know January, February, but get a little jump on the growing season, give you a little frost protection when you know say like uh, April, where we still see frost, but it's not really cold here. And ground temperatures really aren't warm enough. Uh, you know things like tomatoes and things like that. They want they want warm ground to grow. They won't grow if the, if the ground's too cool, even if daytime temperatures get high. So we're going to um, use this this cold frame greenhouse to help our gardening efforts a little bit. And I'll tell you, you can call me crazy if you want, but I'm going to say to you in the strongest of terms right now, and we're going to talk about this economic situation. I've said it to you before. I'm going to say it to you again today. I come from a, a family of farmers. I'm proud to say that. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I watch the weather, I watch the growing seasons, I watch the animals. I'm no expert. I've never been a farmer. I've lived on farms as a kid, but I've never worked a farm as an adult, never owned one. But I watch these things carefully. And I've been watching what's going on politically and economically for five, six years now, very, very closely, every day, reading, listening, researching. I'm going to tell you, that more than anything else right now, you need to be learning and practicing to grow 
your own food, even if it's not all of it. If you're living in a townhouse or something like that, you know, having a tomato plant or a little uh, lemon tree, um, just to get started with these things, you'd be amazed at, at how much you could produce in a very small area if you have if you had to. I see many um, Indian immigrants who naturally do this as part of their culture, and I think it used to be a culture for us, and I think we need to get it back. Just like making your own formula, if you can grow your own food, you're gonna you're gonna have freedom like like other people don't. You understand what I'm saying? Very important. Anyway, uh, we're working on that, working on some more. But in the process, uh, the cold frame greenhouse is going to be an extension of that. My daughter wants to have a snake as a pet, and my wife and I agreed we don't want them in the house, so we're going to keep it in the cold frame greenhouse. And the other cool thing. We got, I forget the place now, it's one of these uh, frozen steak places, and my son sent me one for Father's Day. I, I, it, it warmed my heart, I can't tell you, him and his girlfriend, I can't tell you how much it meant to me. Well, then uh, my wife's mother sent her another one. They come in these really thick, cool styrofoam containers with dry ice. Of course, we got rid of the dry ice, but we, I saved the containers. I thought, I'll bet you a snake would just love living in there. And then I was thinking a little further I thought, you know, they love the wood pile. They love the tarp. I think in terms of the uh, the cage there, I would give them a wood pile with a tarp. And just do a small-scale version of that. I don't know, just my way of thinking. I'll keep you posted on how all that goes. But the last thing I wanted to tell you in terms of God's green earth and all that it has to provide for us, including beauty and entertainment beyond any other, and one of those that I've I've enjoyed so much, is planting the morning glories. Now, truth be told, as much as I'm over here bragging that I'm some kind of, you know, uh, uh, big farmer, I'm not. Our, our efforts to grow from seed this year and last year, I think the year before, uh, failed pretty miserably across the board. What didn't get um, didn't get off the ground in that regard, our early start got severely set back because I didn't put out deer repellent, and the deer came in and just decimated a lot of things in the midst of all that we did plant my daughter and i uh, some morning glories and they just grew like crazy and here's another failed story for you i know i'm, I'm rambling on a while but I'm, I'm enjoying telling this i hope you enjoy listening morning glories grow on a vine if you don't know and it's vine will go like 10 12 feet it's amazing how this thing grows and they're called climbers and so they need a trellis to climb on. And uh, I made one out of bamboo. Well, it's just not holding together very well, um, the way I tried to attach it. And um, I use these stainless steel uh, zip ties, which I highly recommend you have a stock of those. Very versatile for many things. You can't, you know, if you got to uh, secure a tarp, man, you know, it, it'll definitely rip the eyelets of the tarp before it'll, it'll, break that connection I guarantee you that um, but anyway the trellis didn't work uh, in one windstorm it blew over well, it blew over twice and that of course is not good for the plants and one it broke a major vine feed which really hurt the as a whole the deer actually hit the hit the morning glories early they're off to a great start the deer came in they survived all that they survived all that they had grown like crazy 
And this morning, they bloomed. The morning glories bloomed. And I'll just tell you, say what you want. I have a friend of mine, he laughs at me. Well, talk about your flowers. It's just something. Enjoy- and you, you look at these things. They're amazing creatures. Sometimes you touch the vine. It feels like it's moving in your hand. I swear it is. It is, if you watch carefully. And it's kind of creepy, actually. They're alive. They're very much alive. You know, I was cleaning out the shed, and a couple of mice got kicked out. Go over to the wood pile, and there's a snake. Morning glories are crawling around. I see this mealy worms or some kind. It couldn't have been a mealy worm inching along the ground. And the bees going now to the flowers right away. And all of a sudden, it just dawned on me. That it's this little yard of ours, this little patch of ground, and how much life is out there. And all the things that are going on every day. They don't give a hoot about Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or your climate crisis. They're just trying to survive the day, and they keep at it every day. The flowers, the bugs, this whole world of of guests that we have out there that we don't even realize. I know, I'm a little strange, but that's me, and this is is the way I like to live my life, the way I like to take it in. A couple other things real quick before I get into the economy. Probably going to be a little longer podcast today. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, I hope they gravitate to that. And that's what I wanted to mention to you, the changing nature of the podcast. And uh, I, I didn't even look, but I think it was 2018. It's been, I, I think we're coming up on year five or six. No, I think, we're, I think we're coming up on year six, I'm pretty sure, of the podcast. Millions of downloads over the years, many, many emails and um, listeners. It's amazing, really. Some of the things that have popped up in other places. And some of the, the the direction of the podcast, it's been very natural for me. I don't want to say easy. But it didn't take a lot for me to figure out. I knew what I wanted to do. At the same time, there's been something bugging me. And you've heard me talk about this for a very long time. Different books I've written. I thought about changing the podcast at one point. And I, I think I did make some changes, tested different things. I was looking back through my files. I currently have three published books, two in print, one digital only, uh, not available in print, which maybe I should change that. But either way, do you know I've written like 10 total, just haven't published them? And I was looking back on that, and, and I may want to change it, uh, change that and, and get some of these book, books published. Um, but I think it just kind of points to the conflicted nature I've had in terms of what the, what is this podcast? What's it supposed to be? And I think I've, I've found where I want to go. Number one, and it's kind of amazing to me, six years in, I'm finally getting some clarity. And I always stuck with it despite that lack of clarity. I knew, I was like, oh, well, I'll figure this out. And I think I'm there. The first thing is I'm, I'm enjoying going to the three-day-a-week format. I'd like to hear your feedback on that. I haven't heard any complaints um, it's summer. We usually bounce around and people aren't as focused on these things. So it's kind of easy right now. We'll see how that changes maybe as the election season heats up and things like that. But I, I think I'm going to stick with the three day a week and if for no other reason than it allows me to better prepare. And I feel like I'm providing better content as a result, which is at the end of the day, all that really matters to me that I'm providing something of value in some way. 
whether it's entertainment or informative or motivational or whatever the case might be. Um, but I want it to be content of value. But the second thing is, I've had this written here and pinned to the board here in the studio. Stoic. Stoicism. Criticize problems, not people. Focus on solutions that are win-win. I need to get back to that. I'll tell you a little story. I was in court last week suing this company over some doors I ordered. And I lost. I got my butt kicked, actually. It's not a problem. I'm not going to get too into it. Uh, we have other recourse that we're going to take, and I think it'll work out just fine. But in the meantime, I reflected back on my performance. It's not often that I lose in court. And um, the judge was antagonistic. I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't respond well. And the defendant was lying through their teeth, and it angered me uh, bitterly, and it affected me. And I said to myself in self-reflection afterwards, it's not, anger is not an effective form of communication. I'm having trouble getting my, my meaning across to people in a variety of venues. Think about this, what I'm saying to you. With my voice, the books, the podcasts, six year, all that, the speaking, all that. Uh, here I am at this juncture having trouble getting my message through. I think the sarcasm, the anger, I don't think it's effective right now. And it's not who I want to be. I want to be more stoic. Not that I don't want to have some fun, because I do. And I don't want it to be a uh, Walter Cronkite style. In today's economic news, the stock market rebounding soundly. Yeah, that's not what you're, you're tuning into here. But I want to even out the peaks and valleys a little bit. And I'm not, not to say that I'm not going to go off on my rants once in a while because I do have to put out the stupidity. But the main thing that I always wanted to do with the podcast was to center around certain topics that I found interesting. I know that they're not all topics that are interesting to everybody, but it's got to be interesting to me for me to talk about it with any kind of passion and to explain why we were seeing the things that we were seeing. And for some reason, I kind of got away from that. I'm like, this is exactly where we need to be right now. You've been hearing me use these words like uh, intelligence brief. That's really what I want to do with the podcast. Because one of the things that is for, we're going to talk about the economy today. Well, we've talked about the economy a million times on the podcast. I don't really, in terms of, you know, what's changed directly, nothing. But in the details, there's some very fascinating changes that are, I think, important to talk about. Um, but, you know, we have this problem of this fake news, this state-sponsored propaganda like on the weather that I'm going to talk about on Wednesday, this whole Maui story, that's not climate change that did any of that, but yet it's been spun that way. It's causing arguments with people. It's causing unrest. It's deceiving people. What does that all equal? Evil. That's where we talk about the spiritual war. So what does that mean to me in the podcast? Hey, that I can expose the truth, shine a little bit of light, and do it in a way that's not overridden with emotion and, and anger and hatred because it's not effective to communicate that way. Bring a little bit of intelligence in trying to, to ask why and explain that answer so that you can decide for yourself. I don't want to mention uh, this, too. I know it's going to sound kind of weird. I never take breaks in the podcast. 
And I think I'm going to change that as well. As I start, like, it was like a, a badge of honor to me to, like, you know, I could go for two hours without a break, you know. And I'm like, well, why? <laughs> What's the, you know, my voice gets worn out. My, I get worn out mentally. I start racing, shortcutting, not doing as good of a job because I'm fatigued. I'm thinking, why would you do that? Take a break. It means nothing to the podcast because it's just a pause on your end. Not like I got to fill it with 20 minutes of commercials so I can, you know, go freshen up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd be, I go do a couple jumping jacks or crank out a couple of push-ups. I think it'll be good for me and good for the podcast. Not that you needed to know that. One more thing I'm going to mention, then I'm going to get into the topic of the day here. We're going to be a half hour in before we get to the topic. I have this new book written, and the book is the story, the true story of the Battle of Kafji, the United States Marines at the Battle of Kafji. And if you were to look up that story today, what you will find is that um, the Iraqis invaded Saudi Arabia, three Iraqi divisions, and on the Internet it would tell you that they were repelled by American air power and the Saudi army, who then... Uh, defeated the Iraqis and the Saudi armor, uh, uh, Saudi uh, army reclaimed the city, and that is a, a complete distortion to the point of completely changing the context of the real story, which is that we were there in that sector, a small Marine unit, there to support the Arab coalition forces, and when the Iraqis invaded, the coalition forces that we were there to support turned and ran, leaving us in the middle of a serious fight with three uh, armored Iraqi divisions. And the smart thing to do for us would have been to turn and run. Problem was that there was Marines trapped in the city, and we don't leave our own. So we stayed and we fought, and we won. Not them. They ran. I was on post that night. Left us hanging high and dry. I told this uh, story down at a banquet dinner down uh, South Carolina. We were down there for a reunion. And a good friend of mine was there, and he heard me tell the story. And he said, Chris, you got to write that down. People need to hear that story. And I thought, nah, I don't want to write another book. And part of the reason why I haven't published the books, it's expensive to do it if you're somebody like me. And it does make money. I was, I was looking at the math on this as well. Um, and as I've said this many times. It's like enough to buy lunch once a week, you know, with the, the book sales, which is fine. It's not why I did it. Um, but, you know, it's been five or six years I've had those books out. And, yeah, it's it's bought me a couple of lunches. Like It's, it's probably about offset the costs of, of hosting for the podcast and the website or just about. You know, it's, it's overall probably about a break-even operation, which is great, which is great. But anyway, I, just, I, I, don't, I have things I need to do to my house. I, you know, more landscaping. My wife wants a pool and that, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get into that whole discussion, but needless to say, we're planning a doggone pool. Um, anyway, I have other financial priorities and inflation is, is taking, having an impact. So I didn't want to publish any more books. I gave it some consideration and I thought, let me just outline some thoughts. Well, I started getting sucked in. Uh, many stories of that story that I had kind of forgotten and and uh, was beginning to put on paper. I thought, you know, this is a big part of my legacy, the legacy of, of Alpha Battery, 1st Battalion, 12th Marines. And uh, it needs to be written. 
It needs to be written down. So uh, I did. And one of the other things, I've developed this technique for writing a book fast and doing it well, by the way. And I actually, I want to share that information. That's another story I want to get out there. How you can do it too if you ever dreamed of writing a book, especially now with AI. Not letting AI do it. It's not what I did. I went from um, concept to editor ready draft number three in two weeks flat. I didn't turn it over to the editor. I did make some changes after that. I decided to change the title. And I'm super excited about this book. And uh, I'm not sure when I'm going to publish it yet. I'm hoping later this year. But it may be early next year. We'll see. I'm not. I'm in. A, I'm excited, but I'm not in a rush. If you want to find out when that book comes out, uh, be sure to go to ChristopherScottShow.com and sign up for my email list. Uh, all that needs some updating as well. The website and I don't really have a, a lead magnet to offer. You know, a lead. You know, hey, go sign up and you get a free copy of my blah blah blah. Uh, I, I think I do send something out, but it's old stuff at this point. We'll get some updating on that, but. Uh, but I don't really send out any emails either. You're not going to get, like, mattress offers and stuff like that. Uh, trust me on that. Um, and it's not, like, hidden um, advertising, you know. Like, you know, the economic times are really bad. And, uh, you know, you, you might want to – if you're thinking about cutting your car insurance costs <laughs> – wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't do that kind of stuff, okay? It's not what happens. Anyway – if you want to follow along with that book, it's, there's going to be a journey there because there's another part to it, all right? Um, the strategies that uh, I tell the stories of in that book are also very applicable to managing and leading effectively in the chaotic times that we're living in. And uh, I've been telling you guys little tidbits. It hasn't been a big part of the podcast, but some other work that I'm involved in uh, developing software, and also leadership and training for middle managers um, and some of the hiring processes I was involved in. You know, what I'm hearing from, from frontline workers complaining about management, management complaining about the frontline workers. And I said, there's an answer to all this. There's a way to create a, an incredible work environment we tested it. We demonstrated it. We did it for two years now. Incredible employee satisfaction, uh, inc- incredible productivity in this environment. And we're using a data-driven approach, but there's a lot more to it. it with the precision of the Marines of Kafchi, we've been able to tackle the chaos of the civilian world. I have that book drafted that I want to be a second book to that. And the teachings in there. That what we need in terms of leadership, leaders who can self-reflect, like I said to you, I can't be emotional and angry at this point in my life with my credentials. It's, a, it's not congruent with what people are expecting. To say it louder, to say it with more veracity is not enough. It needs to be said more convincingly and articulated in that direction. Hey, I want to talk about the economy here. I'm going to do what I said, take a little break, and I'll be right back to do just that. See you in a second. You see that? You barely missed me, did you? Didn't even know I was gone. What did I do, you ask? Well, I took a little walk outside, got a little breath of fresh air, did a little stretch while I was out there. I thought, let me see if the snake is still under this tarp on top of the wood pile. Lo and behold, it was not which I thought my wife would find that creepy because that would say that the snake is somewhere else in the pile or somewhere else watching, right? 
she gets a little freaked out by these things. I mean, there's snakes all over out there. Uh, I think I might have told you this last week. The dogs brought up a uh, a paw, just a paw on the deck. We're not even sure what kind of uh, a paw it was exactly. Um, it might have been a muskrat, which is kind of strange. Really uh, quite a mystery where this thing came from, how the dogs got it, and where the rest of this animal went. I suspect uh, it might have been a baby groundhog. Maybe the dogs did get on it, maybe injured it. I don't know. Hard for me to say. The groundhogs come in the back to get in our pear tree. I think they're addicted to those things. I was out there doing a little light pruning. It's not really pruning season for that, but I wanted to trim a few things up for uh, to facilitate mowing. Nothing like a branch in the eye. And um, I noticed how many of the pears had been bitten into. Quite interesting, quite fascinating on many levels. Anyway, back to the subject at, at hand, which is the economic conditions. I'm going to talk a little bit about the impact of social media and TV here a second. You say, well, um, what, what does that have to do with anything? Well, a lot, really, because it, it drives people's spending habits and uh, really provided uh, vehicles for um, deceiving people. First, the TV, which then led to the TV in the palm of your hand. I remember a guy, Frank Kern, this marketing guy. He's still around. I'm not sure what he's doing. But he tells like everybody has a TV in the palm of their hand now. The TV's been replaced with the phone. It's really true. Kind of weird and crazy at the same time. You remember that quality family time we used to have sitting around watching TV together? We're not doing that anymore. Everybody's on their own little device in their own little world. But, um, you know, I think back on, on the TV and, uh, you know, there, there's no TV on in our house. This is what this was the realization that kind of brought this to light for me. My wife, who works from home, will uh, likes to play a TV uh, while she works, and she's watching. I don't know. I think usually like Netflix or something like that that she calls background noise. I rarely like background noise. Um, occasionally, but generally not. I find it distracting. But it got me to thinking how addictive that the, the TV, um, it became so addictive, really. And, you know, for myself these days, I do watch YouTube rumble. Uh, occasionally I'll turn on the TV. Uh, but even in, in those instances, further and further apart in terms of how much um, I watch TV. And I'm happy to be free from it. I think it makes a big difference. There was a, a quote or a meme going around. I forget what it said exactly, but it was basically saying, you know, when you see the truth of what's going on versus people who don't, and it, it's staggering. I think that's what also kind of led me to that more stoic response and to say, you know, um, if you don't understand how gravity works, it's going to change your worldview on a lot of things. If you don't understand the difference between a man and a woman, or if you become confused on that, it's going to change your worldview on a lot of things. And it's like my father said, there's no point in arguing with idiots. What does Thomas uh, Mark Twain say, I think it was? No, no amount of evidence will convince an idiot. It's really true. And I think that ties in with this. There's no point getting all raw. How could you think like that? You're, like, well, you're an idiot. And now you just sound like an angry idiot. 
there's lots of reasons why I kind of want to change my demeanor and approach on that. Frustrating. You know, somebody's going to argue with you that there's 99 genders. All right. Let's see if we can whittle down that list just a little. I don't know. Find some common ground. You're not going to. Not one bit. Anyway, uh, I think back, when was the TV invented? I think somewhere around 1940, 1950, maybe or something before. I think that's when it became big around the 50s, right? And uh, you still had, uh, I think, the Stalin going on, right? And just to think about that in itself, that, 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 that um, is P- P- Russians in prison in, in Russian gulags. If you know anything about how horrific that, that was, and here there's people sitting here in Levittown after World War II watching TV, laughing it up. But uh, it's always been garbage to me. I think my mother ingrained that in me. Turn that boob tube off. That thing will rot your brain. How many times she said that to us, and I'm glad she did. I remember, remember the gong show? I remember that was like the epitome of trash. But there's always been a market for this type of thing. Before that, it was the, um, uh, what was it called now? It was the, the peanut gallery, where the peanut gallery was. I'm drawing a blank. But there was just vaudeville. You know, it's just this trash entertainment, basically. Trashy entertainment. But um, it's amazing to me that people would watch it. Quite frankly, even as a child, I would rather listen to talk radio. I kid you not. Maybe my maybe because of what my, my mother said. But um, then you look at cell phones and social media, and you think of how easy it is to drive people uh, and to convince them of things that simply aren't true, such as that the economy is great and Bidenomics is working. That they can't even explain to you what it is. Um, you know, it kind of makes you want to want to go away and live like the Amish, right? And this is another thing that the TV and and whatnot is really warped. Like you watch the Little House on the Prairie, and you think, "Oh, how nice! <laughs> how sweet that must be!" Yeah, you know how cold that cabin was in the winter. You know how hot and stinky it was in the summer. You know what it's like to use an outhouse. <laughs> like, there's a reason we enjoy indoor plumbing. It's fantastic. It really is. I don't know that the Amish don't have indoor plumbing, but um, no lighting, no electric. In most cases, crazy. Horse and buggy, no cars, no vehicles. These are huge. But I do tell you this. As I take in everything that's going on, I myself find a new appreciation for it. I really do. You know, I don't know if I told you this, by the way. I found out from my cousin, she came out to visit, that my great-grandfather was Mennonite. I never knew that. Isn't that interesting? So... Uh, you know, it's not just a, a matter of a simple life. Um, you know, I put it to you this way. The risk that we take of reliance on electric alone. I've said this before. The grid got cut. How much destruction would it create? Hospitals, ventilator, all these different things, refrigeration and food, the ability to move it, to pump gasoline out of the ground. By becoming reliant on these, on these, just electric alone, we've uh, put ourselves in great jeopardy. And you think about it. You think about if we didn't have it, how much mass death there would be. Why do you think that an EMP attack is, uh, you know, something that, that that concerns the emergency management people so so much? So, anyway, well, my point about that is. 
you can either either be a lazy slave or ambitiously free, right? It's kind of how that works. Interesting dynamic, right? I think for me, I'd rather be ambitiously free, which is why I've, I've uh, worked on growing my own food. It, it is work, but it's fun. But if you ask me, TV, it's been more damaging than cigarettes and social media more damaging than TV. And the internet now is making us crazy. So, how's that all tied together? Well, on the economy, it's more fake news. And I, I say this to you uh, to consider the practical aspects of your life. Because if there is a, a crash of, of what is being predicted by some, I mean, it's uh, perilous territory. As I was pondering this, I was getting ready for this podcast and I thought, you know, I come back to what's our biggest vulnerability? What have you heard me say? Heat. I'm looking at this three cords of wood down on the three or four quid cords I got back there. I don't think that would be enough. I'm looking at the space it's taking up in my yard. I don't think you could heat this place for the year on four cords. I think it would probably be more like six, eight. If we had to cook and have hot water from it. I guess we'd learn to live with a house about 50 degrees, not a comfy 67, 66, I guess we keep it. We're going to learn to live a little bit cool. All of a sudden, wool becomes big again. Everybody loves wool. But in all seriousness, I would consider these the practical implications. So here's a little uh, intelligence briefing for you to see through the fake news. This was actually reported from the main, no, no, National Pulse. The credit rating downgrade, you heard about that, which barely made the news. That is phenomenal, yet it barely made the news. In the meantime, why? So I go back to, why, well, why was the credit rating? Well, you know, they don't like Biden, they're like too much spending, yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't, nobody really made that clear. Why was it downgraded? Well, we see now the deficit more than doubled in 2023. This headline says Biden more than. I believe it was going to happen no matter who was president. I don't think they can stop it. Why is this so significant? The deficit has been doubling every presidential cycle, like every eight years. Obama, he doubled it. Trump came in and doubled it again. That's different. He had to. (laughs) So did Obama and so did Biden. The only difference is where they're choosing to, to put the money and how much of it they're siphoning off the top. And that's really the truth. If this money was being reinvested into things that had value, I think there would be a different outcome. But it's not. It's being wasted, heavily wasted, wildly corrupt. Just by way of practical example, I'll ask you. Our federal government doubled its spending from the year prior, which is wild. These are coming off of COVID spending years, and it doubled from that. What does that tell you? It tells you that the government is entirely responsible. Government spending is entirely responsible for the economic growth that we're seeing right now. It's all being done on borrowed money. I have more to share with you. Stay with me on this. 
this one headline is huge to considering with where we're at in this Ponzi scheme called fiat currency. They're, they have to. And look, the economy's not doing great with all this money getting pumped in. It's helping. It is. When you d- dump all the oil out of the oil reserve to lower oil prices and government prints up a bunch of money and pushes it out into the economy from the bottom up, the middle out, or the top down, it really makes no difference in the overall scheme of things. It makes it certainly makes a difference in you know who feels and sees what in that equation. The rich are always going to make out okay. In the middle class, the ones that are on you know too much debt, they suffer, and the poor people, you know, few can can get themselves out of that for a variety of reasons. So in the overall scheme of things, it doesn't really change anything. But it's going to help the economy, right? More military spending is why wars are wars are great. Everybody a focus to rally around. And money to spend to prop up the economy. But it's money wasted. It's not like you're building a, a dam. What, what if instead of all this money going to Ukraine, uh, they built a hydroelectric dam? Suppose they built, an, uh, with all that money, suppose you could build two more reservoirs in California. Imagine this. Both with, with uh, power-producing dams, hydroelectric power, to, to offset their water crisis and produce power for their cities. How uh, amazing would that be? Improving people's quality of life in, in real ways instead of the money's being wasted. And, and it's a huge story. But so much of that money, as best I can tell, that the, the money right now, the borrowed money from the government, is, a, is barely a one-for-one trade-off for economic growth. And I suspect that that's going to slide back, meaning they'll spend the dollar and get less than a dollar of growth. That's what's coming next. I want to remind you of something that I said earlier. I'm coming at you from the angle of, I don't see a collapse coming. I still feel this way. I say, I don't know. I think there's more to this than any individual headline. and more. I've been studying money and the economy for very, very closely for many years now. I'm no expert. I still don't understand it. I don't know that anybody does. I really don't. The private money, for example. Anyway, I say this to you. I don't, I'm not in the camp of supporting any of this. But I'm coming to you saying, this is why I say it's an intelligence brief, what I really wanted this podcast to do. So you know what? I could be wrong. We better take a look at this information. And what are you seeing? So it goes back to why. Why, why the spending? They have to. being uh, And the usage of it heavily politicized. That's the corruption. So then I, I had this in here. And let me just pull this up a second because and just stay with me because this is, is related. All right. Opinion from a former judge. This is an article from a newspaper. Remember newspapers? They actually printed articles on this paper. Anybody remember that? Uh, uh, here's a little article. I'm a student of law whose age is 85. My first year of uh, college was 68 years ago. One class I took was political science. A half page of my textbook essentially outlined a few steps to overturn a democracy. Number one, does it divide the nation philosophically? 
This is huge, and this is why countries like Russia and China and probably India as well struggle essentially always because they're not on this Christian foundation. And it's not that you couldn't have strong nations based on a different foundation, spiritual foundation, because you could. The problem is that they're very divided in that foundation. That's what's happened here in this country as well. You know, Russia, for example, the Eastern Bloc, Slavic, Russians, whatever you would call that, and I don't mean to be disrespectful or miscategorized, but the uh, lighter skin, rounder eye Russians on the eastern side of the country um, are, I think it's the eastern side of the country, are much different than the uh, Western Russians, uh, Asian Russians on like the Kajikistan side. Very, very different, right? And I'm sure... You know, just like I was saying uh, for us, if, if you're confused about how many genders there are, it, it's going to make it really hard to have conversations about lots of things, I'm guessing. Right? Anyway, it is very powerful uh, to divide a nation philosophically. We were very united, are we? No. Ferment racial strife. We see that. Cause distrust of police authority. That's always been the case. Swarm the borders indiscriminately and unconstitutionally. I've given you my feelings on that. It's the huge. It's a huge threat. Engender the military strength to weaken it. Overburden citizens with more unfair taxation. Encourage civil rioting and discourage accountability for all crime. Control all balloting. Control all media. This was pre- prevented uh, printed in 1954 as a possible diabolic nightmare. Well, we've seen these kinds of things before. Um, but it's the overburden with taxation part, the great wealth transfer, the great reset, all right? What and why is all this? Well, then I had this sent to me, and it's this is going back from web archive pages. This is a little freaky. Um, supposedly, the economic forecast data that the UN and World Bank and so forth use. I went back as far as 2017 on the Internet Archives, okay? I actually, I feel like I went back to 2012 at one point. Anyway, as far back as I could reasonably go, which is five-plus years back, the um, forecast, the 2025 forecast, basically the same going back however many years, all right, the economic and population forecasts for 2025. And this is supposed data that the UN and World Bank use and things like that. It's saying that in 2025, this is consistent um, uh, forecasts, that the population of the United States, uh, and I don't know how to read this thing, can I go into the data here? Um, that the population, yeah, holy cow. This is actually from 2016. So this is from seven years ago. Uh, this is from a, a deagle.com. And let me just check real quick. I didn't think so. I had no way to verify this deagle.com and the validity of this data. I I put it this way. I'm very, very skeptical of of this. Does it say where this comes from? 
No. All right. Anyway, I, I still don't. It's still not clear to me what I'm reading. Uh, six inhabitants. So the, the, I don't know if they're saying the population is going to drop from uh, to 54 million or going to drop 54 million. In 2016, the population was 324 million. The forecast 2025 was down 54 million. I don't know if that means down to. I think so. I think it means down 54 million. That's a huge reversal of where we're at right now. Um, gross domestic product down wildly, uh, like 75%. I don't, I don't know how they explain it. The military budget, all these things decline, decline, decline. Either way you read it, either way you read it. Uh, it was sent to me as if it was, you know, kind of this proof that the United States is on a 2025 trajectory of a death sentence here. Um, this is from 2018, 2014. And the projection was, takes a second to load because it's pulling this from uh, archive files. Well, there we go. More or less the same forecast. It's a little freaky. Basically predicting, this has been out there year over year, this economic cliff for the United States. I'm skeptical of that. I don't see any backup. I'm not even sure what I'm reading there. Then I see this. This is from Yahoo Finance uh, sharing of a Bloomberg article. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of all this. I'm skeptical of everything. But they're considered credible, I would think, in most circles. Here's the headline. This is August 8th, so this is coming up this week. Is it or did it happen? Oh, maybe it did happen. Treasury auction deluge set to test investors' appetite for debt. Um, last week... Treasury auction. Let's see what we got. Announcements, data, results. Um, there was the uh, Treasury Direct. Four week. I don't see issue date eight fifteen. Okay, so it's coming up. This is what's coming up. I don't know how much. I don't see a total here, but apparently, uh, according to Bloomberg, it's an enormous amount of borrowing, and they don't know if there's going to be buyers for this stuff. Are the Chinese going to buy it? A lot of factors coming together to push long end rates higher. That's from the head of market strategy at J.P. Morgan. So, bottom line, I want to keep this moving a little bit here. You can look into the details if you want. Here's what I'm saying. The deficit's doubling. Where's the money going? What's it for? This long-running forecast of an economic cliff coming for the United States is, are we getting to the end of the musical chairs? Is, is Are we the, the uh, whole fiat money pyramid scheme about to collapse? I say no, that it can't for different reasons. You're talking about something different. You're talking about a central currency. But I could be wrong. 
we might find out this week when these T-bills don't sell or whatever these uh, Treasury assets are. Meanwhile, let's look at some of the other things going on a second, okay? And I'm going to let you go here in a minute. Biden admin to give $2.35 billion to the Taliban in Afghanistan. Not to the Taliban, but it'll end up going to the Taliban. They just wrote a big check to uh, Iran, the supposed prisoner swap. Not a prisoner swap. We're swapping prisoners and the money. We're we not getting money. Where's this money going? Now you know. Uh, I mentioned about the uh, Los Angeles city workers walking off the job. I, I say that you're going to see more and more of that, and the consequences are going to be more and more catastrophic. You'll see them enact laws requiring these public workers to stay, uh, e- even if they don't want to. You watch. You watch what happens. All these uh, immigrants that they're pumping in, we and it's still happening. I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you the situation is dire. Don't, don't take my word for it. Look at the headlines. Sticking with the economy a second, though, in the unsustainable path. I had this discussion with my wife. UPS driver pay and benefits deal to be worth $170,000 a year. My wife quickly jumped in. She's like, ah, nah, 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 nah. That's, that's, that's not making $170,000 a year. That's the total package. It's salary, benefits, retirement. I said, okay, fair enough. She said, they really only make it about 85000 a year. Ah, good good to know. Here's why I say it's unsustainable. What did I tell you last week when I gave you the economic update? Uh, Report, I believe, uh, I forget who it was. But anyway, uh, $80,000 a year income, you can afford a $300,000 a year mortgage, which I'm not aware of anywhere you can buy in this county. There's probably some slums tucked in in Norristown and whatnot. You could probably find something for that, but not much. Maybe a one-bedroom condo here and there, but there's not much for not for a single-family home. I can tell you that. All right. On the, so a, a, a UPS driver is is it a living wage? It's kind of hard to say that. You're probably living in an apartment somewhere if if that's living the American dream. Uh, now you could have two spouses working. And now you could afford $600,000. Now, that'll get you something in this county. That'll get you something nice. How are you raising a family on that? And so here's what I say is the unsustainable part for a delivery driver. And not to be disrespectful, I mean, it's brutal hard work. Um, but for a delivery driver, a fairly basic function, $170,000 a year cost to the company, to provide a, a working wage of $80,000 a year, and is it even a working wage? Something's wrong. Something's very wrong. That, that's not a great opportunity. Hey, we offer our drivers a $170,000 package. I have a funny feeling they're making a little more than 80000 a year. But anyway, why do you think they're talking about uh, eating bugs, NPR story here? And then this article this week, global food systems, quote, broken. UN chief urging transformation how we produce and distribute food. I'm telling you. Uh, and there was something else uh, I'm going to talk about with the with the climate when we get to that on Wednesday. I had The hair on the back of my neck is standing up. Parents pulled daughters from sports teams over safety concerns after boy deemed allowed to compete. I can tell you this from my son playing flag football. They would line up, and there was a kid twice his size who would get physical. 
and I would go berserk when the referee and the coaches would not enforce the damn rules. I'd, I'd bring my boy out here to get mowed over play after play. They're not padded up. They did have a helmet on, but they didn't have pads on. It wasn't a, a sport field. The ground was hard. And now you have these parents of a daughter doing the same thing. How could you not? But you just already you see this pattern, my point about this relative to the economy. If you're making $80,000 a year UPS driver with your $170,000 a year package that is probably now has people scoffing, right? I'm sure they're getting, yeah, it must be nice. Or in different places, they're probably getting robbed in inner city places. and All the money you guys got. Well, now your $300,000 a year house, you're going to have to change those plans because uh, there's no way you're likely going to want to put your kids in the public school system in the home that you're going to be able to afford in that neighborhood. So you're going to need private school. Or you're going to be dealing with this kind of nonsense. Unbelievable. Two other things I want to mention, I'll let you go. An hour podcast. I'd be interested to know your thoughts. I think it was a good one. Uh, Zelensky fires top military draft officers in anti-corruption push. There was another one I saw <clears throat> where the um, like the top purchasing guy. This is a fascinating story. So here, both these stories. When you think about what's going on here, Zelensky fires at military draft officers. This is the guy that's supposed to be bringing people in. They're down there partying up in Kiev, right? Like there's no tomorrow. And uh, meanwhile, nobody even wants to join the army over there. We keep sending money over there for what? For what? Then I saw the guy who was supposed to be buying arms for Ukraine. They got rid of him before the war started. He was so corrupt. He wasn't buying any arms. I, mean, I guess he was throwing some money around. I don't know. But I think more of it was going in his pockets than anywhere. But apparently he was the only guy who had any connections to the um, arms industry to, to be able to buy this stuff. So the war begins and they bring him back. I'm looking at this. And you, know, you talk about the corruption side. I'm thinking... You tell me that they waited till after the war began to start buying weapons. How much money was the United States giving Ukraine year over year for supposed defense against Russia? And where was the money going? That they had no weapons, no ammo. After all the warnings from Russia that I didn't believe either. I'm not, but if if I'm you know if I, if I had a neighbor threatening to shoot me, I'd say, ah, they're not really serious. I would still take certain precautions, would you not? Not Zelensky. He didn't do anything. One last thing, one last big story. Oh, the Hunter investigation. Now there's a special counsel. Hmm. Special, all right. Special in what way? That's what I want to ask. Who knows? I have no confidence that anything's going to be done properly. Why did it take so long? Where's the leak? Here's how you can tell if there's actually a movement to bring any any kind of this to light, if there's any leaked information, you'll see none. And you have to ask, just on that alone, why is so much of this Trump information leaked, but never about Hunter, never about Biden? Obama, we haven't even heard of them about the dead chef. It's all very strange. Dead bodies at the at the uh, at the Obama house and cocaine at the White House. And the FBI raids Mar-a-Lago. What does that tell you about the sign of the times, my friends? God willing, I'll be back on Wednesday. Can't wait to see you there. You can email me at info at ChristopherScottShow.com. Make it a great day.